and welcome to episode two of the Running Technique Tips podcast. My name's Brian Martin and I'm now joined by my co-host Lisa Biffin. Hello Lisa. Morning. How are you this morning, Brian? I'm very well, very well. Um, I feel like the winter has turned a little in Ballarat. Um, oh, amazing for you. Yeah, well, some, there has been a little bit of wild weather. There has also been spots of sunshine. Um, the other day I was out there doing some strides and the sun came out and I thought, oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how many strides did you get done when it wasn't so sunny? Uh, not not that, not very many because I was always trying to stave off hypothermia. Um, so, yeah, getting I think about that was to, me on uh, on Wednesday night, pitch black, cold, mission aborted. Yeah, one stride or two strides or no strides, just get back to somewhere warmer. Yeah, mine well, was definitely a no stride night. Um, but uh, yeah, so you're going well on this day with uh, day. Yeah, well. Um, Actually had a uh, yeah last week was actually a little bit challenging um, for me for a couple of reasons. Um, I started to get a sore sore hoof, a bit of a sore foot. Oh no! Um, and that kind of developed um, uh, during the week. It got uh, it actually got a little bit sore during my midweek uh, long run. Um, Are we talking wins- planter? Whereabouts? No, uh, it was just kind of in. In my arch and where it was feeling a bit, wasn't kind of super painful, but a bit stiff and sore, just sort of up underneath um, the arch as it leads into the big toe. So, um, yeah, not really kind of that plantar kind of kind of pain. Um, but, yeah, got a little bit stiff. So I was a little bit concerned when I got home on, on Wednesday last week from my 90 minutes, which um, actually managed to get through that. Um, pretty well so yeah last week um uh yeah it was is usual structure so monday was a rest tuesday i rattled around um for about 40 odd minutes um and that was probably yeah probably a little bit speedy and i'll get to that i was doing that in about sort of 527 pace um and ran about 8k's mm, good one yeah, and Wednesday was yeah I think I ended up ran for ninety three or so minutes and yeah covered a bit over seventeen kilometers at about five twenty four pace so yeah all of my running at the moment has kind of increased a bit or at least it had increased a bit in speed mm. um, and I think um, where I <laughs> where I started to go wrong was probably doing all of my runs. Um, at the upper end of, you know, we talked about me doing my runs in that kind of mafetone heart rate zone. Um, and, uh, yeah, as I've been getting fitter and stronger, the temptation just to kind of keep doing all of my runs towards the upper end and slightly going over sometimes um, and chasing a bit of speed um, whilst at the same time increasing my mileage, um, I think might have just um, led to some of my uh, lower leg foot issues that um, that I suffered. So, It's a good yeah. point though, actually, and... I'm sure in a lot of the literature, it says increase one or the other. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Simultaneously. Exactly. And look, it's it's not like I've been going down to the track and bashing out speed work at the same time, but it just sort of does show that even kind of subtle um, increases in, spa- in pace um, and intensity can probably get you into a little bit of trouble. Um, but I suppose that the way I responded to that was kind of good and bad. So I did one thing that was good, which was to slow down my runs after that. Um, but then I made a bit of an amateur error, um, which was, yeah, on Thursday and Friday in particular, I, yeah, I did these really nice slow runs, um, but I went out there too far. Like I was really enjoying my slow running and I thought, oh, I can get a few few more k's in here because i'm going slow and you didn't learn um, your lesson i i, I really didn't uh, it actually took me it took me until sunday um to actually realize that i'd kind of really screwed up um because on what did i do on friday i did about an hour and 12 minutes ran a little under 12 and a half kilometers um average pace was about sort of 550 so it was nice and slow um, but I was out there for an hour and 10 minutes and I did something kind of similar on the Saturday. Um, again, it was sort of about an hour and hour and 10 minutes. And by the time I got to my long run on Sunday, and you might remember last time we spoke, 
I was talking about my goal of sort of pushing out to a two-hour run and being able to complete that um, feeling nice and strong and in control. Um, And so I did get my two-hour run done, um, but I just felt really tired and heavy um, in the legs um, throughout that entire run. And Did the foot hold up? The foot, yeah. Look, the foot actually was – it didn't really prove to be much of a barrier to getting the runs done. Um, yeah, you know, get, did the usual thing, gave it a little rub. Um, <laughs> um, and both the foot and my kind of lower leg, deep calf area, because I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I've had foot pain, it often seems to be tracking down from um, from somewhere in the lower lower and deep calf. So. Yeah, 100%. I've had plantar fasciitis before and it stemmed from a very tight calf. Not, yeah. The plantar was actually just the end result. So whenever I feel it coming on, the first thing to do is stretch out the calf. Yes. So did lots of that kind of stuff and I kind of ran in some slightly bigger shoes. So I've been sort of doing a fair bit of running in um, fairly flat shoes with not much cushioning. So, yeah, got my Adidas Bostons out and then a couple of other shoes that were kind of in that sort of lightweight trainer category just to kind of offload the foot a bit. Mm. Um, and I didn't really feel it that much um, during my runs after that. So it was, it sort of came good very, fairly quickly. But yeah, getting back to my Sunday long run, which I wanted to run out really strongly and um, get to the end of it feeling really good and confident I, because I was feeling so tired um, from those, um, those two runs, which were kind of really quasi long runs that I did before it, even though they were slow. Um, So I ended up getting a little over 21 kilometres done in just over two hours and only averaged about 5.45 pace. Mm -hmm. And you might remember the week before I was kind of barreling along in sort of high five. 29s that kind of thing so yeah I could really see my heart rate spiking and it was actually good to have the heart rate just to confirm that um, I wasn't feeling that great anyway Um, but yeah my heart rate was 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 getting up a bit so that really um, did force me to kind of slow down a bit so I got through the run okay um, but just felt a bit tired and flat so I learned a lesson during the week which is if you're doing a recovery slash easy run just let it be a recovery slash easy run even I think you've brought up another good point and especially for you know a lot of our listeners who aren't the elite and, you know, the elite can run for two hours and probably cover, what, 25, 26 kilometres. Yeah, or more. Or (laughs) more, yeah. We all get a bit fixated on how many kilometres we've done. But when you're running a bit slower, and I have certainly taken this on board, we really should be listening to time on feet. Yes, yes. Because you might say, all right, well, you know, today I want to run 24Ks, but that might take you two and a half hours and your previous longest run before that might have only been two hours. Um, So you've done this massive increase, uh, which sounds like what you have done and hence the foot niggle just didn't quite go away. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. And look, you know, we're chatting before we actually hit record that I've actually put together a really good base block of endurance training. So over the last eight weeks, I've probably averaged about 74 kilometers a week, which is it's actually for that kind of period, that would have been the most mileage I've done. Um, in my life before so so yeah that that sort of plateau that I've been in over the last couple of months has been a pretty high plateau for me so I need to be really careful not to get sucked into chasing more kilometers because I've already I've already done a training progression um and yeah I I did find that I was getting a little bit sucked into because at the start of this um training session or this training block I kind of put one of my goals down would be good to run 100ks a week but I think I'm just going to toss that out now. I'm just going to uh, sort of. What is it? What is it with that figure? What is it, the <laughs> well, 100 kilometer. It's like this beacon that it is. Yeah, it's... chase and often chase that rather than listening to yeah, listening to your body how they're going. Exactly. Look, you know, and it's uh, look that there's definitely um, gains to be made from running higher mileage, but if it takes me because I did the marathon last year, it's probably actually going to take me three years, I reckon, to be able to build up to run 100Ks a week and that to be like a a normal kind of plateau for me. I I don't think I'm going to get there in this campaign building up to the marathon because it's only 11 weeks. I know. About 80 days to go. You know, I I don't love that you got injured, but I I love that you – this has happened because it's such a strong message in even though you've been running for such a long time – you still make those mistakes 
Um, we totally all get, do. we just get addicted to running and how, especially, you know, you've all of a sudden gone from running like 5.45 to 5.50s to your easy paces now, 5.30 and under, and that confidence builds and you want to do more. That's right. You get greedy. You get greedy, exactly. And often um, that's where the little injuries and things creep in. So, look, that's I right. think- such a good lesson. I'm sorry it's happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it was fine. And and look, despite all of that, you know, I got through the week and I did end up actually running 82Ks for the week. So, um, yeah, I got to the end of the week in one piece, um, having learned a good lesson. So, um, yeah, I think um, it'll stand me in good stead for the weeks to come. Yeah, I think it will too. So, all right, well, rest that foot, soak it in some a hot bucket of water with some Epsom salts maybe. Yeah, there has there's been a couple of hot baths involved over the last few days to really amazing. kind of loosen that up and, uh, yeah, sort of uh, – yeah, getting the getting the fancy bath salts out uh, definitely definitely feels pretty good. Um, and yeah, lot, lots of rubbing, lots of rubbing, and uh, getting the massage stick out and rolling it. Mm, sounds painful, but good all in one. Yeah, it does. So, what about you? What about your week? Enough about my woes. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I actually had just another solid week. There was nothing exciting about it, um, and I'm loving that. I'm loving just gaining each week. So uh, the main thing from my week was um, I did a couple of sessions. Um, I I think I'd spoken about this maybe last week or in our pilot just because of how crazy my life is sometimes. Um, I just, again, felt shocking, shocking headache on one of the sessions. So uh, I actually pulled the session right back. I think I was probably running at about 50%. um, which was really good. Uh, it really helped me see out the rest of the week because I had a couple of things on. Uh, I went and did a road relay with my team in the um, New South Wales, um, I suppose, winter calendar. Mm-hmm. And I love relays because obviously running is a distance sport and even long distance running, it's so unheard of. So when you get to do these relays, so four by four people running four kilometres, um, it's just really fun. It, t- it takes pressure off, different dimension, and you're not just cheering for yourself. You, you're really backing your whole team. So um, always love doing the relays. So I did that. actually surprised myself a little bit. I managed to pull out a 14.59 for the 4Ks, which is that's good. Um, 3.45 average, and I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> um, you're so getting was- very fit and strong now. I think that's where that came from. Yeah. I, you know, I was so pleased. I actually went into it with zero expectations. I, I didn't really know how I was going to go and wasn't really phased. It was just really a, a strength-building exercise and it was really nice. I finished the 4Ks and I just I wasn't even really that puffed. So um, I didn't have the speed. I actually don't think I could have gone any quicker. I certainly didn't have the speed in the legs, but it was just such a nice feeling to think this, this base, this endurance base is building and getting stronger. Absolutely. And look, you know, considering your marathon goal pace is about 30-odd seconds slower than that, um, yep. you, don't, you don't need any more speed, right? No, I, act, I absolutely don't. And one thing that was really nice, it was actually a, a hilly little course, fun little course, um, but my splits were, were pretty much even the whole way. Um, I had a small deviation up one of the hills, but to me that's a really nice positive sign that I'm learning to run like a marathoner. It's good. So that was, yeah, so that was really positive. And then my other main goal was two hours on the Sunday, um, which I managed to do. Um, again, I'm not really sure. I think I'm falling into a, the same type of pattern as you at the moment in I've, I've turned a corner. I'm starting to get a little bit fitter. And my average pace for the um, two hours was 5.16. Yeah, you, that, that's that's flying. Yeah. So it wasn't that long ago that I was running 5.45s, you know, just like you. Um, and, you know, this is probably something that has really honed into me and I hope our listeners can get something out of it as well is I haven't done anything special. I've literally just turned up and I haven't killed myself and every week it's just building, building and building. I love that quote. Robert De Niro said 99% of success is turning up and it's so true. <laughs> oh, it really is. So, you know, not sure I if he's ever run a marathon though. <laughs> and I had this really 
nice thing happen on the run. So I was feeling a bit tired around 50 minutes, you know, probably the run the day before. And I was thinking, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get this two hours out. You know, I'll, I'll aim for 90 minutes and see how we go. And I hit 75 minutes and it was if all of a sudden I felt amazing. It was if I needed 75 minutes to warm into the run. And as the run went on, I just felt better and better and stronger and stronger. And I just thought, this is such a good sign. So I finished last week on a really big high. And I actually said to myself, this is the time where I need to be careful. Because in the Mm. past, I, I actually remember this feeling in the past where you're starting to get quite fit and the mistakes that I have made in the past is to increase both you know the distance and the pace and you know that's really to my detriment because I've ended up injured so I am what did you write in your training diary about that run uh so I've actually got it in front of me and it says I am wrapped I can say that that'd be a great run to kind of bottle for later on when you're looking back at your training and go look at how how well that run went and and that what you were describing about feeling better as it went on would be something yeah. to remind yourself on later on when you're feeling a bit tired and you know you have a week that's not so good like I did. Yeah, and that's a really good point. So I pretty much did, you know, what I'm like with my lists and being organised. So I've certainly written it in. Um, so yeah, really, really pleased. And I am. My main takeaway is to keep a lid on it. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah, I think as I I proved, you can go from uh, <laughs> chocolates to boiled lollies very quickly when you. When you make mistakes in your running program, so um, yeah, it's a uh, good thing. Well, thankfully you made the mistake, and I've learnt from you. <laughs> yes, I'm sure we're both going to make a few more along this um, journey. But that's other. Oh, that one of the things we wanted to do was to like have a warts and all. Like if we if we make a mistake and stuff something up, you know, you've got to own it and um, yeah, learn from it ourselves, and hopefully others can take something from that as well. Mm, agree. Right, so that was your week. You know, the only other thing that um, I was thinking about over the last week or so, and I don't know whether you've um, paid any attention to this, but Nike have been releasing like a whole bunch of new shoes. Oh, yes, I've been paying attention because I am running actually in a Nike pair of shoes, which we might, we're not going to discuss today. I might talk about it in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm not normally a a Nike shoe fan and I've actually been converted. Yeah, you've been converted. But I I must admit, I'm a bit kind of um, bemused slash frustrated because, you know, Nike are great at marketing Mm. and for their shoes like the the Vaporfly 4% and even the Peg and I think they're going to release another Pegasus that's got some, you know, funky, amazing cushioning. Um, They've been trotting out their kind of elite athletes and they've talked a lot about how they've designed the shoes in response to suggestions that people like Mo Farah and um, Elliot Kipchoge have made to the shoes. I haven't haven't seen this. Uh, Yeah, and I just laugh to myself because I'm thinking – you know, what What have I and the rest of the general running public got in common with Mo Farah and Elliot Kipchoge? <laughs> and the desire it, to run a marathon. Yeah, that's about the only thing we have in common because, you know, they say, oh, okay, um, Mo asked us to kind of do this to the heel of the peg because that was something that would make him feel good. And I'm thinking, you know, what possible chance has that got of making me feel good? <laughs> um, and you know, I do laugh because they've got these. I think Adidas have got a sub two hour marathon shoe, and yeah, they do. Obviously, Nike have got you know their Vaporfly and that. And and what I'd like to see actually is like one of these companies come out with like a three hour marathon shoe or a four hour marathon shoe because yeah. you know that would be one that might actually be of benefit um, to me and the rest of the running public. I'm I'm not sure whether these other ones are really going to have. Um, quite as much impact well they might sell a lot of shoes but are they going to be any good for yeah. i don't think they're actually widely available either so it mm. is an interesting one it is sort of a bit of an, an elite type of type of shoe as opposed to like you know the, the general public um, yep. and and their taste for shoes yeah anyway i did see that mate did make me laugh i thought oh, <laughs> well if, if it's good enough for elliot maybe it'll be good for me and then i'm thinking no it's probably not <laughs> Well, are you going to get it? Have you been sucked in? Uh, well, I kind of almost got – I did sort of get sucked in. I did buy a pair of um, – I can't even remember what they're called, but the the kind of more general 
public less than $200 or about $200 version of the the Vaporfly, but I got them and tried them on and um, sent them straight back because I just thought they just feel awful. <laughs> I'm sure some people love them. And in fact, a lot of people do like them, but yeah, they just didn't suit me. So they I sent you. them back. Look, I think that is, we could probably talk for about three hours on shoes. I know certainly could. you could, um, especially if you went through your whole shoe collection. <laughs> yeah, we, we, could, um, we could. And we will yeah. actually, we will, let's talk about, uh, we'll have an episode on shoes and the different types and yeah. what we think of them. Um, because I know that we are running in, you know, the, the male or the female version of the same shoe, but we don't necessarily both agree. So I actually like hearing other people's views and opinions on it. So it's a very personal thing, um, running shoes and lots of opinions on, on that one. Okay. Well, um, I think it's time to get into our topic of the week and this week we're going to be talking marathon training plans, um, and specifically Lisa's marathon training plan. After this, marathon training plans. So, Lisa, I have been swatting up on marathon training plans um, over the course of the week in preparation for this discussion. Mm. Um, very excited about having a look at your marathon training plan. So I think we're doing mine because I'm the only one that has one. That's that's right. That's right. As I mentioned last last week, I've tended to kind of make things up, and perhaps some of my woes of last week were a sign that I do need to write it down and stick to my plan, so I don't make any more mistakes. So uh, I think we really lent on our own strengths last week, didn't we? I went straight into overdrive in planning mode and you hit the books for research mode. I did hit the you books for research mode. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, um, yeah, if you were thinking about running a marathon and you're looking for some training plans, well, there's certainly some uh, good ones around and the ones that I've kind of been flicking through um, uh, advanced marathoning by Pete Fitzinger. Um, I've been rereading um, Arthur Lydiard's book, Running to the Top, which has um, a marathon training plan in there. Um, Daniel's Running Formula, obviously we've mentioned that one before. That's got a good um, marathon training plan in there. Um, and the Hanson's Marathon Method. Um, and look, the, there's a lot of similarities between the different training plans in all of those ones that I've just mentioned. But the one that I'm going to kind of lean on to give you and I a bit of structure, Lisa, in this discussion is advanced marathoning. Um I love and that book. I, yeah, I do as well. And just rereading it um, in the last couple of days, I'm just thinking this is a really, really, really good book. Um, and the training plans in there are also uh, really good. Um, and one of the reasons why I really I like that book is there's a lot of um, attention and explanation given to why the training plan is structured that a way, the way that it is um, and the different elements needed in the training plan um, to be effective um, in training and racing the marathon, which is what we're both doing. And we probably will just highlight that the training plans that you look at and research um, are by credible authors, not necessarily the one that you download when you're about to you know, embark from something from the internet. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Don't don't download one of Brian's marathon training plans. Like, <laughs> go and get one from an expert. Um, yeah, so, yeah, all of those plans are obviously have been um, tried and trued, uh, tried and tested, um, and they're also, you know, got a good basis in um, exercise science as well. Mm. Um, I think of all, like, it's probably worth mentioning we're, we're about to talk about training plans um, that run for for us. It's for, for me, it's going to be about sort of 10 weeks when I get mine together. Um, and for you, what is it, maybe 14, 14, yeah. 14 weeks. Um, you know, they're not what we're about to talk about is not something you'd just jump into off no training base. And, you know, as mentioned, we've both been running quite a bit in preparation to get to this point. Mm. Um, I think yeah. I'll just add to you know, last year I wanted to do the Melbourne Marathon, make that my debut. I may have mentioned that. Yeah. Um, but learnt very quickly that it was a really bad idea uh, as I was planning out and starting my training because I had no base. So, and I know that that's not for everyone. I know a lot of people decide I'm going to do a marathon this year and I've never run before and you know, they're happy to walk, run it in five hours, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
our goals are not quite that. Um, you know, we're sort of looking at something that, you know, I've had, oh, when I start running, so January again. Um, so it's a good, what, eight months behind yeah, me. Yeah, that's right. Admittedly, yeah. I've got quite a few years behind me as well, but the plan that I'm sort of going to read out is is definitely not something you would jump into. Like it, it's not a couch to marathon program. Nope. Um, but it's also not, you know, if you've got a couple of years behind you, it may be a little bit basic as well. So it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think that's um, that sounds sounds about right. And look, in terms of the um, advanced marathoning book, it's got this really good section where it talks about the physiology and the elements um, in the training plan that you would expect to be able to race the marathon well. Um, and obviously, the first one is endurance, and you know we kind of talked about that in the first couple of episodes. The benefits of um, the longer slower and in some cases the steady state running which isn't that slow but um, um, that's obviously the foundation of a marathon training plan so you won't get any arguments with anyone about that. Um, Fitzinger also identifies um, VO2 max or maximum oxygen uptake as being an important element Um, and that's your kind of um, three to five k race pace type training so that would be your your classic intervals. he does mention that it, whilst it's important, it's not something that you would prioritise over longer runs. Um, so whilst he does have it in there, he mentions that the fact that it's not the most important thing in the program. Um, he also talks about lactate threshold, which is kind of your ability to maintain a fast pace and a relatively high heart rate without accumulating lots of lactate and bonking. Um so that's definitely in there and he's also got stru- uh, speed um, and most of the speed stuff he talks about is really just like 100 metre stride so it's not really very taxing type speed work, um, none of that kind of mile pace stuff. Um, and he does also just talk extensively about recovery which is something that we probably forget about um, as we as we go along. So, so yeah, Lisa, when you talk about your plan um, – um, you know, I'm expecting that you're going to cover some of these um, elements. Yeah, well, let's pull it apart, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, we'll pop it up on the blog as well so um, people can have a look at what we're talking about. I am not going to go through week by week every single day but talk more around the structure and some of the key sessions and, and races that I've pinpointed and, and the rationale behind them. So, um, all right, as I said, I'm really planned. So I sat down, um, I'd sort of been having a few ideas as to what I wanted to pop in um, and one of my big things is to really focus on what day the race is as well. I think this is really quite important um, so that you know obviously when you're running and even the time that you're running. Um, One of my big concerns about this New York Marathon is how cold it's going to be and I really struggle in the cold so um, it's something that I'm already thinking about how am I going to work with that and I know that I'm training a lot in the winter at the moment um, but you know give it one more month and Sydney's going to start to get pretty warm. Yeah so what what actually what day is the New York Marathon run on? Yeah so Sunday the 4th of November and I will be starting at 9.50 a.m. Yep. So I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah, I'm also not a great morning exerciser. So, you know, the Gold Coast Half Marathon started at 6 a.m. I found that really tough. Mm. So um, I'm already in a really positive frame of mind at 9.50, you know, I would have been up for a while, you know, coffees, um, breakfast, you know, feeling great. So that's really exciting. I guess it's just the, the cold conditions that I'm going to need to try and work through. And I know that it's 42Ks and I'll probably warm up, but um, I, I do struggle actually even warming up when I'm running. So um, I need to plan around that too. But the main structure of my marathon, is, my marathon plan, sorry, is only five days of running. Those days are a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a Saturday and Sunday. Um, complete rest on a Friday where I will be getting a weekly massage, which you just mentioned around recovery, Brian. This for me is crucial. Um, with my previous um, 
sort of surgeries and injuries, um, I respond so well to a, a massage. And I'm not talking about, you know, a massage where there's candles and pedals <laughs> around. <laughs> That's what I, I was thinking that. That's, isn't that what you do? <laughs> no, no. I'm talking about like pain. Um, my masseuse heat amazing um and i'm sometimes bruised after it and i love it i respond honestly so well i don't know what it is um it just yeah i don't know pleasure and pain maybe there's yeah, a fine line yeah, there with me you're a masochist, yeah. <laughs> i I, ha- I actually really don't enjoy getting hurt when i'm getting massaged oh. like it, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a silk i think when it comes to that no look i love it um and he's fantastic he uses heat as well in the massage and it's it's amazing if anyone actually anyone lives in sydney and wants to um get his details send us a note and i'll send them across he's great so that's a weekly occurrence um and the other day a monday uh i, I was going to the gym and you know doing some exercises i've actually just signed up with a personal trainer who um has a lot of background and knowledge with running and especially with a lot of my injuries with the hip and the lack of glute strength so i'm going to be doing an hour session with him every monday and again mm-hmm. for me that is probably more important than um you know maybe one of the sessions on a tuesday or a thursday uh because one of my weaknesses is my um glute strength from lack of glute strength from one of my surgeries and you know the marathon is 42 k's you're going to get tired no matter who you are um and i tend to have a bit of a a hip drop um and that's certainly not good for efficient running yep right so So i'll expect you to have um Super strong glutes. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be working on the peach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 80 Ks is my goal. I may max out to 90 kilometers. Uh, actually, I think I don't even get to 90 kilometers in my plan that I've worked out. I think 88 is the highest. Hey, that's good. That's a coincidence because um, Pete Fitzing has got this program that I was looking at, which uh, – it actually tops out at an 88-kilometre week. Oh, perfect. I love um, his book. I actually have read it. I wasn't modelling this off it, but maybe um, yeah, <laughs> maybe uh, I was channelling it. Great, great minds think alike. I must admit, of all of those four ones that I looked at, I reckon the 88-kilometre one that Fitzing has got is probably the, the only one that I could actually do at the moment. <laughs> the other ones are too hard. <laughs> we might link that actually in the show notes because I also think that's a, a really good program. It is, yeah. As well. So, yeah, so maxing out at that those high 80s um, and I'm still wanting to have the two key sessions being the Wednesday 90 minutes and then the Sunday long run where I am wanting to run for a minimum of two hours. Yeah. Um, now, I've thrown in some options um, for that Sunday long run and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether my body will handle this load uh, because it's the first time I've ever run this far and, and trained to this distance and given my my weaknesses, um, I'm not sure whether my body's going to handle running longer than two hours plus the load of the rest of the week. So I'm tossing around on a couple of the Sundays where you would traditionally do maybe a two and a half hour or even a three hour run of actually making it partial. So three quarters land run and one quarter pool run. Mm. So you know how I feel about <laughs> pools and swimming. So I, I kind of hate the sound of that, but uh, but hey, it might work for you. So I actually don't mind swimming, and I won't be swimming. I will be pool running. You'll be pool running. Yeah. Um, so the plan is to do, um, say, for example, if it's going to be maybe a two-hour twenty run, um, an hour fifty uh, on the land, and then jump in and do the remainder, remaining half an hour in the pool, and do it like immediately straight away. So land into pool, jump in and um, continue that momentum. I've popped down in my plan, I think about three of those. Um, the, The pros for me are getting out that length of time um, doing the that the same motion mm-hmm. um, and also hoping to keep myself injury free to then be able to back up and keep, continue building this week on week. The con is I'm not going to get time on feet, um, which yep. may 
impact me at the tail end of the marathon. You know, everyone talks about that 30 to 32, 35K just being really hard and I would never have experienced um, having the time on feet prior to actually being in the marathon. But for me, I, I, I genuinely don't think... I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to handle the load coming off, you know, nearly two years off and um, where I'm at. So that's my thinking around that. Yeah. Look, you might you might surprise yourself. Um, and, yeah, there's a couple of things came to mind while you're talking. One was you, if you varied your the rest of your structure a little bit, you might be able to recover and feel like you can go a bit longer on your long run. Um, potentially, um, and you don't need to be probably going. Um, at least this is my opinion. You probably don't need to be doing more than two hours, like every week. Like there'll be a few key times where you want to push your long run out, maybe to two and a half hours, maybe a fraction more than that. But most of the most of the programs that have a time recommendation in there really suggest that you don't go much longer than two and a half hours. And given your training and your goal is to run you know, around three hours for the marathon, you know, you're only kind of missing half an hour, I suppose. Mm. Um, and, yeah, last year, obviously, I did quite a slower marathon last year. My first one, 3.36. I think my longest time on feet was maybe two hours 45. Okay. Um, so you don't need to necessarily run um, the same time on feet as what your marathon goal is. Um, there are a couple of programs that recommend you do that, but I, I don't think it's worth the risk, to be honest, of, of injury. Mm, um, especially not where I'm coming from. Yeah, I reckon. Um, the other thing that came to mind was, um, yeah, Dr. Phil, good old Dr. Phil Maffetone, he's got in his big book of endurance training, he's got this suggestion about just walking either side of your long run. Ah, uh, yes, um, yep. And that, um, that's going to give you the time on feet and he makes this point about it being mm. kind of a bit of a time-bending, um, almost a psychological preparation. So you could like walk for 15 minutes, start your long run, run for two hours and then walk for 15 minutes um, I've actually just end. written that down on my plan. Mm. <laughs> I had forgotten about that. Yeah. I like it. I like it as well. And look, um, yeah, I do a lot of walking, not a lot, probably 15, 20 minutes walking ahead of a lot of my runs, just walking the dog. And yeah, it really does help get you warmed up. Um, but if you actually put your running shoes on and your running gear on and walked for 15 minutes and then did your long run, it'll just feel like, you know, you'll have been out there for two and a half hours. And if you wanted to be time on feet for three hours, you could just extend the time of the walking a bit at either end. Yeah, I I, I really like that. I think that's a really, really good idea. So I might play with that um, yeah. and see. I mean, it will be sunny by the time I get to these really long runs, so I wouldn't mind probably jumping in the pool. But um, you know, I really like that effect of being on your feet. I think it's a bit of a psychological thing too. It, it is, yeah. That's kind of what Dr. Phil was saying is it? yeah, it just gets your mind ready for being out there and doing it for the, the period of time that you have to without necessarily stressing your body out too much. Mm. Yeah, good Just point. Good. Excellent point. Um, so I think we mentioned that my overall plan is 14 weeks. Um, I'm actually planning a down week within that 14 weeks. Yep, just and, one. Yeah, yeah. so just the one actually. So it's down week on week five uh, because I am will be doing a half marathon in week four that I am going to attempt to run at a, at a solid pace. I'm <laughs> going back mm -hmm. to my four-minute Ks that I failed at but learnt lessons, very valuable mm -hmm. lessons at, at the Gold Coast. Um, and I really find that I'm a bit banged up after a half marathon you're not alone with that. Mm. Half marathons absolutely kill me. But yeah. So that that half marathon's the 26th of August. So it's still quite a long way out from the marathon itself. If that was close, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd be saying maybe don't race it at half marathon pace. And if that was kind of like your marathon dress rehearsal, you could do that at marathon pace. But given it's so far away, you might be able to get away with it. Yeah. Well, that's why I. I decided that I would have another crack at this four-minute K half marathon. Mm. Uh, there is a marathon. It's actually the Sydney uh, Marathon, which has a half marathon in it, um, which is I think around the 15th of September. And for me, that was just nudging a bit too close and around the time where I wanted to start doing, starting around some more marathon-specific um, work. Yeah. So I felt like it was really just going to interrupt the program too much. Yep. So, mm. yeah, so down week on, on week five, um, 
I find that I really need it. My, my body needs it and my mind needs it. I just mentally a half marathon takes a lot out of me as well. Um, That's good. So so there's that. Um, and the other uh, session, I suppose, that I'm is up for debate. I think you and I differ on this one. I'm quite keen to do it. Um, and it is a 30-kilometre tempo Ooh. at marathon pace. Yep approximately five weeks beforehand. So I'll give you my pros. <laughs> my pros is to cover that distance at my marathon pace to see whether or not um, it's a realistic pace. Yep. Psychologically, I think for me, um, it will give me <clears throat> a lot of confidence pending it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes well um, and it will help me to be able to plan to run a marathon, I really want to learn to go out slowly to feel like it's way too easy and I need to mm-hmm. be going faster and you know, sort of build um, and understand that fatigue. And then the pros, uh, sorry, the cons um, <laughs> is I may end up doing my marathon yeah. um, in training. So it's I'm out for, I don't know why I'm so excited about this potential session. It's ridiculous. Thirty k's at marathon pace, and I've yeah. found a new event actually out in Western Sydney, which they're holding a marathon on that day. And so I'm going to, if I decide to do this, I will enter the marathon mm-hmm. and actually do it in a race environment as well. Um, but it, you know, given that I'm coming off never running a marathon and no base, there is a bit of risk in it, and I understand that yeah. as well. I think it's. Yeah, it's way risky. It's way risky. Um, yeah, I'll give you my opinion and then, and then I'll tell you what Pete Fitz, Fitzinger says in his program. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's definitely too long um, and the risk associated with that, as you mentioned, is is really high. Mm. Um, trying to do 30K, you may as well be running your marathon because, you know, if you can get to 32K at your marathon pace, like that's what you do in the race and then you kind of hang on for the last 10 um, and you don't want to kind of do all that kind of damage to your body because that, that's about the time when, you know, your legs start to get a bit sore and banged up as well mm. um, when you're actually in the race. So I think it's I think it's too far um, and, you know, would, for others who have got better preparation and more experience than you and I do, maybe they could get away with that. Um Pete Fitzinger in his that 88-week program that I mentioned, he has a session with that kind of purpose in mind, the marathon pace session. Um, it is a 29K long run, but only 23 kilometres of it is at goal marathon pace. Um, so that's quite – the 7Ks is quite a bit less. Um, so that's something to think about. And the other thing, you mentioned that you're sort of looking for confidence that that this was, um, you know, going to be a good sign that you're on track for your marathon pace for your goal. Um, maybe that session that I'm planning on doing next week, that Adam Didick 15K um, heart rate monitored session might be a better one to give you that kind of confidence that your marathon pace is not kind of blowing up your heart rate. Mm. Um, and, yeah, just to recap on that one for those who hadn't heard that one, that was sort of like, do 15Ks almost as a standalone um, race and you could do that in a kind of a race scenario which I'm going to do next week at the uh, Lake Wendery 15K um, Road Racing Championships in Ballarat. Um, just run the first 5K a tiny bit slower than your marathon goal pace, run the middle 5K at what you think your goal pace is, run the last 5K slightly faster than what your goal pace is and really monitor your heart rate and see what happens at those kind of um, paces. Um, and, yeah, Fitzinger's got in his book heart rate guides for marathon pace, um, and they're in they're expressed in percentage terms, which I actually didn't write down. But for me, um, given I'm a little bit older than you, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my marathon pace heart rate he's suggesting is sort of between 140 and 155 beats a minute. Um, so, you know, you could just have a look at what happens to your heart rate. Um, once you sort of do the maths on multiplying out the percentage that's in the book and see what happens at those different paces. Cause if, if you're, if you're hitting that, that middle 5k, um, at your 415, 416 goal marathon pace and your heart rates like at the low end of your marathon pace, 
um, scale, that'll be a really good sign that, mm. you know, you're in the right kind of shape. Yeah, look, I like that. And that's why I really like having these conversations because it, you just get other ideas. Um, and whilst I'm excited, I just don't know why about this potential 30K tempo, um, I am still a you're bit You're a masochist, nervous. that's yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy um, massages that hurt, so that's why you've put in a 30K marathon pace. Oh, um, I think tempo. so, but, you know, I don't want to ruin my marathon at the same time either. So, um, yeah. you know, maybe tinkering is yep. definitely tinkering is, is the way to go. So I've actually just written that down as well, that uh, the 15K option. Yeah, and look, it's one of those things, runners, we, we like doing the training because that gives us confidence, but it's almost like it's actually a sign that we're not confident that we have to do the training to prove that we can do something. Yeah. Like there's, there's other ways that you could prove that you could be ready to run your marathon goal pace um, as opposed to running a marathon at your goal pace, which is <laughs> almost what you were doing. Oh, definitely. Well, We'll continue to debate that one as the weeks yep. go along. I, I want to hear what your your club coach has to say about that one. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I've actually did send this to him and we had mentioned before that uh, I, I'm part of a, a club and do have a coach as part of the club, so I do love bouncing my ideas off him. Um, and his response was very much to that effect that, you know, great structure, great plan, but we're going to monitor this weekly and make changes um, when necessary. So, uh, yeah, so I, so I really like that um, as well. It's always good to have other opinions because we can get a bit dog-headed. You know, we write a plan and think, nope, my plan says X, so I've got to do X. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, so can I just ask you about the rest of your plan because mm. some of the um, better structured plans and, look, this is – this is obviously I'm not a very structured person, but other people who are more structured and more clever than me have put these together. They kind of have little periods um, with a specific purpose, like there might be four weeks working on endurance, another four weeks working on lactate threshold or something like that. Mm. Have you kind of built that kind of structure into your um, into your plan? No. So I've actually handed that over to our club coach. Great. Um, so I have put out, and you'll see this when we post it up, so I've put out the the structure of what I can fit in and when and I've also gone through the weeks and forecast, you know, I've got a couple of holidays and, you know, a couple of life things that we all have that, you know, because we're not full-time athletes that we just we can't avoid. Um, so I forecast those out as well so that we can work those bits and pieces in. Um, and I've also populated a couple of races that I'm wanting to do over this time. Uh, apart from the half marathon, uh, I do have a 6K cross country in there purely as a tempo and a bit of a strength. I hate cross country. Um, so I think this is a really good mental exercise for me. I thought, I don't know why I just, I get really cranky as I'm running cross country and I actually want to give up. So, um, I think it might be a good exercise for the marathon because no doubt I'll probably go to some dark places as well. Yeah. It's kind <laughs> um, of in, it's kind of inevitable, but you know, if you prepare well and you pace yourself well, hopefully they're not too dark. Oh, look, I, I hope not. Um, and the other one is actually a 15k hard hit out. And this one is potentially um, up for debate as well. It's actually only a couple of weeks out before the marathon. I really mm -hmm. like the 15K distance. I don't find it um, terribly stressing on the body, unlike a half marathon. Uh, and I just feel like because I'll be deep within that sort of marathon phase, my hard pace will probably only be about four minute K pace. So I don't mm. think it will be that stressful. How far out is it from race? Day? Oh, I think it's uh, I think it's oh, I've just two seen weeks. It. Yeah. Yep. So it might be a bit too close. I reckon it might be. Yeah. Um it's yeah, sorry. So it's two weeks. So that's why I do have a bit of an asterisk on that. Like I'm and I've actually said a potential yeah. <laughs> final you hit know, You could maybe even do that um 15k session I was talking about then yeah actually that's that's probably a really good point too because that would give you a really good idea um you're not going to go you you know, you're gonna you start the first 5k slower than your gold marathon pace so you're only going to do um 10k at about marathon pace mm. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's actually that could be maybe. a really good idea to slot in there. The other thing I have done, um, because unlike Brian, Mr. Solo Man, I don't really like training on my own. <laughs> um, so I've actually put in um, on Saturdays where I'm looking to do a couple of tempos. I've pinpointed a, a couple of really just low key races yeah. that I can turn up to um, and run at my marathon or whatever my tempo pace is that I'm doing on that day within that race, so that I can actually train my body to run at a particular pace because yep. I am awful at training on my own. And tempos are hard, oh, as we know. Yeah, mm. they're really, really hard. So the only other thing I will probably mention, uh, as I have said this before, I like a long taper. Yep. Um, so I've decided at week 12 of my 14 weeks, I'm calling it a semi-taper and mm-hmm. I start to back off the distances and then the week – um, so week 13, I am doing, um, I guess, a, maybe a two-week or one-week out taper. And then the actual week of the marathon, um, I've had to plan in because it's in New York, so I've got mm. travel that I'm having to factor in. Uh, I am definitely somebody that suffers from jet lag, mm. so I'm having to really plan in well, how am I going to overcome that. Um, you know, some of the things that maybe choosing an overseas big city marathon, yeah, it's not the, the best best of choice. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, you only you only arrive like four four or five days before the race. But looks at this, yeah. So we arrive, so we leave Australia on the mm-hmm. Tuesday, but then arrive in New York on the Tuesday. Uh, and then the race is on the Sunday. So it's probably going to take me a good two to three days to. Yeah, you're going to be wiped out. Yeah, I, and I will. I, I'm definitely that person that suffers. So this yeah. is why I sit down and plan because I'm quite aware of um, <laughs> the things that are coming up in my very chaotic lifestyle. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty pleased with it. I'm very excited to do it. And, um, it's nice that I guess I have a a club coach to bounce ideas off and then, you know, I talk to you every week too, and you can knock some sense into me. Uh, I've got crazy (laughs) ideas coming out of my head. (laughs) Uh, We all have crazy ideas. Um, Hey, the only other question I was going to ask you about the structure of your program and when people have a look at it, this might occur to them as well. Um, is that that? Remember how I mentioned the recovery thing? Yeah. Um, and whilst you've got, you know, it's a it's a real plus that you're building in a couple of rest days um, during the week, but you're kind of cramming a lot into each week. Oh and, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. I guess a lot of people may do eighty k's over six or seven days. Yeah, that's right. And you've got kind of like potentially a session on Tuesday and Thursday with in the middle a ninety minute run, which when you're training for the marathon, that is kind of a session and then you're potentially doing a tempo on the Saturday and then a long run on the Sunday. So, you know, the kind of the option for you just to do some kind of easy jogging to recover is not really in your program at the moment. That, yeah. would, be, that would be an observation that I would make at this point. I think my, my way, I guess, to counteract that is to me Saturday is still a bit of an optional session. Okay. I know that Saturdays I'm really quite tired. You know, you've worked a full week and you've got the juggle of children and daycare and life. Um, so I often wake up Saturday mornings just completely wiped. So my two main sessions for me are still that Wednesday and Sunday. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to jeopardise my Sunday just to try and force out a Saturday. Yeah. And I think the thing that I learned last year is sometimes your marathon um, – your marathon pace type long runs or your long runs that you kind of dial the pace down towards the end, they almost sort of become tempos as well. So if you back them, back up tempo training on top of that, it can kind of really wear you out. Yeah. Maybe your club, maybe your coach will put in like the tempo running into one of the, the Tuesday or the Thursday and then your Saturday can just be like re- a recovery jog or something. Yeah, we often do on a Tuesday maybe a, a- tempo or a bit of a fartlek. Tuesdays are often a bit of a longer type of a session, um, which then may make Saturday, as you say, either a recovery run um, or just some shorter fartleks, you know, maybe like three by 1500 metre fartleks. I don't find them very taxing um, and you're still getting out a bit bit of volume, but Mm -hmm. nowhere near as hard as a tempo. Yeah. How about, yeah, another thing from my my studying up that um, Fitzinger was recommending was I think he's got his tempo sessions are sort of between 20 and 40 minutes in duration, so he doesn't really have a super long okay. um, tempo, um, you know, thresh, 
lactate threshold type training built into the program. Um, it's on the 88K program? It is, yeah. It is on the 88K program. Um, so, you know, he's got his marathon pace stuff in there, which um, is, is, is at a lower heart rate. But, yeah, the stuff that you would be kind of looking at that threshold um, pace training, which I did the maths on that. Um, what did I do for 43-year-old me? Uh, did I write that down? I don't think I did write that down. I'll have to look that one up for the, the show notes. But, yeah, it's it's kind of just that little bit above your marathon pace. So it's sort of in the, uh, for me, it would be in the kind of high 140s into the 150s, probably mid-150s would be about threshold kind of heart rate for me, mm. uh, a bit higher for you given you're just a little bit younger than me. <laughs> Spring chicken. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I think that was my only other question was just about that that structure and making sure you got the recovery in there. But, um, hey, you've done a great job in putting together a plan when I don't have one. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, the challenge is on because uh, next week we are going to review Brian's plan. So I'm pushing him out of his comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, you totally are. You totally <laughs> to, are. To sit down and, and actually put pen to paper and some thought behind it. So Yeah, um, I will. And, and I'm going to try and bring in some of the things that I've relearned from my rereading of all of these good training programs that I've been looking at. So Yeah, and I think what I really like about you, you're going into your second marathon so you can actually take those learnings of what actually did and didn't work when you were training for Melbourne last year. Um, you know, I am coming from nothing. This is a, a guesstimate of what I think will work to get me to my desired finish time of 2 hours 59.59. 59. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. And it could blow up spectacularly or, it, you know, it, it may just be perfect. But um, yep. I guess we've got to start somewhere, don't we? Yeah, exactly. And, and look, I... For me as well, my plan is part of a bigger plan. So I might have, you might recall, I mentioned that kind of macro goal of trying to run ten Melbourne marathons in a row. Um, this year will be the second one, so I'm not going to try and throw the kitchen sink um, into this plan. I'll be just slowly building upon what I did last year and adding a few extra things in for um, 2018. And then, you know, if we're still podcasting next year, um, expect to see a slightly different plan again. Um, for the 2019 marathon. Yeah. I think that's what's quite fun about the marathon, isn't it? There's so many tweaks and different things that you can add in. And, you know, I listen to podcasts of other people's training and when they're training for a marathon. And I love getting ideas about what they're doing and what they've changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there's heaps of great information out there. Um, and once you've kind of got that structure down and, you know, that's again, why that, that Fitzinger book is so good. It gives you the the basic structure of the types of training that you would want to consider after you've built your base. And once you've got your head around that, you can then kind of write your own program um, and take on these different elements and make sure you've got a really clear purpose for what you're doing um, for your training program as a whole and on a week-by-week week kind of basis. Mm. It's exciting. It is. Um, okay, so that took a while, but we thought it would. Um but we don't have too much more to cover. We're just going to go into a quick um, training tip of the week after this. So we've just talked about your plan, Lisa, but the training tip of this week is it's just a plan, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that message really came across from my coach as well is that you know, great structure, but we need to look at this weekly. And I think, you know, the marathon is just as much about the training and getting to that start line as it is actually completing the event itself. It really is. And um, considering to even get to the point to, to writing this plan, you've done, you know, months and months of training, slowly building up from not much to running quite a bit. And I've kind of been doing the same um, that, We've now got quite a degree of flexibility in terms of not having to follow and hit every single training session that we might put together in our plans because we've got this, it's not a super wide base for us because we're still pretty inexperienced, but um, we've got a base so we don't have to chase every single session. Yeah, and I, I think I said this to you during the week, the marathon could really suit my personality of planning and reevaluating. Masochist. <laughs> <laughs> and, and masochist in there. Um, but 
I love reflection. You know, I have a diary that I write in. I often go back and look at it and then I'm constantly planning for the week ahead and making adjustments because, you know, my life is not a set and forget. It is chaos. Um, So for me, knowing that this training program is just a plan and it is flexible um, is definitely something that I'm going to be following. Yep. And, um, yeah, look at even at this stage, like it's getting a little bit closer for me at 11 weeks out, but, you know, I could I could miss a week or I could probably miss two weeks at this point and it really not impact that much no. um, on my goal um, because I've got this base behind me. Well, I don't um, think it would impact you physically, but I think a lot of people get impacted mentally from it. Yeah, that, that's true. I'd probably be fretting a bit yeah. if I missed a couple of weeks training. But, and you mentioned um, it earlier, which is a really good point. And this is why I am so passionate about people writing down their training and not just what they did, how they felt, conditions, you know, all of those types of things. So that if you find yourself in that situation, that you can go back and say, you know what, only two weeks ago, I was running 60Ks a week and I felt fresh as a daisy and I felt amazing. So this one week off, it's not going to do any harm. That's true. And look, even when things sort of went wrong a little bit for me last week and I suddenly found myself um, jogging along at quite a bit slower pace than what I had been doing in a lot of my training sessions, I just had to remind myself that, um, yeah, last year there were similar phases where I just went out and had to just run slowly because that's all my body could handle um, and know that, you know, if I just stuck at that and was disciplined about it, that I'd eventually start to feel good again. Um, And it's sort of similar for this kind of training plan where, you know, you really don't have to um, make sure you tick every single item off your training to-do list because um, if if you've trained for the marathon well, you've done a really good, solid, wide um, and comprehensive training base. So, yeah, like you were saying last time, beware of the super session and um, of placing too much emphasis on one particular thing. And let's all, I think sometimes we need some perspective as well. We're not elite. No, no. (laughs) You know, my life. I've known that for a long time. (laughs) My life is not going to change and the people in my life are not going to love me any less if I run four hours 59 or two hours 59. So, um, you know, and, and look, I'm definitely guilty of this, of sometimes losing that perspective because you become so obsessed. You know, we're type A personalities. We really want to achieve this goal. It's not an easy goal and you become really invested in it. Um, sometimes you just need to take a step back. You really do. And look, hopefully we can uh, keep ourselves, keep each other and ourselves a little bit honest by having these weekly chats. Yeah, exactly. So, look, I love that point and it's something for everyone to take away that, as you said, a training program is just a plan and if life gets in the way, then adjust it accordingly. Correct. Right. So what is happening for you this week, Lisa? Coming yeah, up? well, this week, um, gosh, I feel like I'm racing all the time, but uh, I like to, unlike you, I like to throw a few races in because it keeps me excited. So um, I've had a pretty good week so far, but on Sunday there is, it's called Sydney Harbour 10K. It's -hmm. supposed to be a fast, flat flat course and I've never done it before. Um, So I am, I'm actually going to do that as a, I'm going to race it. Um, You're going to race it. I'm going to race it. I was going to say I was doing it as a strong effort, but oh, that's dumb. That's racing. <laughs> you're, you're racing. Yeah. Yep. So um, my goal is actually to run a 38-something. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in doing that. I ran 39.20 a couple of months ago in shocking, shocking gale force winds. Yep. Um, I felt a bit robbed of my um, sub 39. So that's what I'm chasing down on Sunday. I reckon you'll do that. Mm, so, um, yeah, looking forward to it. I'm going to run it. Uh, so my plan is to do the complete opposite of Gold Coast and I'm going to go out very conservatively yeah. um, and really try and you know, run home hard and feel quite comfortable in um, running a sub 39-minute 10K. What about you? Excellent. Well, um, I actually am going to have a race-like experience this week. Um, going to visit my brother over in Bansdale. Um, so we, we are, or were planning on running the Bansdale park run, but he, he was actually saying to me that he thought the course might be under repair and closed. So if that happens, we might go to Lake's entrance and, and run it oh, there. Wow, that's but, a hike. um, 
Yeah. Uh, well, Flag Centre is not too far from Bensdale, but yeah, the overall the overall drive over from Ballarat will be uh, about four and a half hours or five hours. But um, yeah, that'll be good because he's he's been running consistently under twenty minutes for five k. So. Um, hopefully, I can just convince him to be my personal pacemaker, and I can just, <laughs> I can just hang on. And, I love that uh, you're giving something a crack. Actually, yeah, it'll be good. And look, one of the things I reflected on last year was that, uh, yeah, I didn't really do any racing. I didn't mix things up a lot, and I got a bit stale and stuck in a rut um, during my marathon training. So, um, yeah, your point's well made about kind of mixing things up a bit and throwing some the odd little race in here and there and um, having some variation in, in your pace and your training and that kind of thing um, is something I've been thinking about. Mm, and how um, good is park run? I, I think we can talk about it. this for another another day, but it is so good that you know, you don't necessarily want to invest the maybe the, the time, the money, or even the mental capacity on a big race, you know, so like what mm. I'm doing on Sunday. So to have that ability to, for you to say, you know what, I'm feeling pretty stale, I need to get out of this running rut that I'm in, just going to pick a park run. Yep. Um, I think it's great and it still gives you, like you can make it still a race if you want to. You, you can do your warm-up and your, your strides and your routine um, and sort of it's, practice. Yeah, it still feels like a race. Like if you go there with the mindset of, yeah, I'm going to try and run fast mm. um, or do a time trial, it feels like a race because there's lots of other people around. It's, yeah. You know, it's being timed. Um, I did a couple of park runs last year in my very failed attempt of um, a running comeback and then I did a couple this year and it was like it was great. Like, it wasn't terribly fast. I think I just snuck under 20 minutes. But when I finished, it was, you know, again, because you're a runner, it's that I want to go faster next time. Where's the next mm. one that I can do? Yeah, so I'm looking forward to this one. Um, and yeah, my, my brother, he's a tiny bit older than me. So uh, he's in the slightly older man age group um, <laughs> rankings <laughs> in Parkrun. But he's he's noticed that there's he's a. Your um, butt. He is kicking my butt. Um, but he's also noticed that there's a, a time that's within his reach at the uh, Lakes Entrance Parkrun. So he might come away from that being the age group record holder. Oh, amazing. Um, oh, good. Well, watch this good. space. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to if we don't do Bansdale, uh, yeah, my big brother will probably end up being the, uh, the the age group record holder in the slightly older man age group than me. Oh, good. Well, then there's something for you to chase down once you're fit from doing all this marathon training. Exactly, exactly. Well, I think that is a wrap for us. It is. Um, You've been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. We'll catch you next week. Bye.